So the birds are singing, and over the course of the past few months on the show, we've seen uh, a defendant after defendant take a plea and start talking. Stay tuned. That's just part of what's ahead in our bonus content. More conversation coming up after this week's edition of In Focus. Exploring the issues that matter most in Indiana. This is In Focus with Dan Spieler. This morning, an influential state lawmaker and a terrible motorcycle accident. We'll have the latest on Representative Tim Brown still ahead. And also this morning, Hurricane Florence, a massive storm in the Carolinas, as the president also deals with a storm of criticism and continuing controversy. That's where we begin this morning with Florence. While crews continue to assess the damage from the hurricane, the president says the federal government is responding. But he's also facing criticism for calling the government response to Puerto Rico and Hurricane Maria an unsung success story. And there was this tweet earlier this week on Twitter, the president claiming 3,000 people did not die in the two hurricanes that hit Puerto Rico, despite new research suggesting there were nearly 3,000 deaths. The president saying the large numbers, in his words, were made up by Democrats in order to make him look bad. Uh, so I have no reason to dispute these numbers. I was in Puerto Rico after the hurricane. It was devastating. The victims, nor the people of Puerto Rico, deserve to have their pain questioned. The president's tweets on the deaths in Puerto Rico was, was heartless. It was cold. The White House putting out a statement Thursday, doubling down on the president's tweet. This is they now turn their attention to the cleanup from Florence. Of course, we're going to have much more on the hurricane coming up later this morning. Also, big legal news involving the president's inner circle. Friday, Paul Manafort pleading guilty to avoid a second trial. And reportedly, as part of that deal, he will now cooperate with the special counsel's investigation. Meantime, at the State House, so many thoughts and prayers this weekend for State Representative Tim Brown and his family after a terrifying motorcycle accident. Our Colby Thielen has the latest. Lieutenant Governor Kraft said that not only is he an important part of this legislature, but that he's a wonderful colleague and friend. Former Governor Mitch Daniels, he said that he's one of the finest public servants he's ever worked with. And of course, Governor Eric Holcomb said that he's simply an extraordinary leader. According to our partners at the Indy Star, Brown was riding his motorcycle with Representative Speedy near Mackinac Island, and police say an SUV pulled out in front of it. Representative Speedy was able to avoid that driver, but Brown unfortunately was not. He was taken to a nearby hospital before being transported downstate for more treatment. WWTV in Michigan reports that Brown was wearing a helmet at the time of the accident, but has multiple injuries. Police are still investigating this crash. Of course, you can count on us to bring you the latest. In downtown Indy, Colby Thielen, I'll send it back to you. Okay, Colby, thank you so much. Now, in a statement, Governor Eric Holcomb said, in addition to being a public servant and an extraordinary leader, Dr. Tim Brown is a fighter. Janet and I are praying for his recovery and ask Hoosiers across the state to join us. And from all corners, an outpouring of support on Twitter. You see here from Congressman Larry Bouchon, Dr. Tim Brown has become a great friend. I was saddened to hear of his recent accident. My thoughts and prayers are with Tim and his family. Get well soon. Mayor Joe Hogsett saying that Dr. Brown has been a tireless advocate for central Indiana and a legislative leader for our state. My prayers are with Representative Brown and from State Representative Bob Boehning. Please keep my friend and colleague Tim Brown and his family in your prayers. Now this week I also spoke with state GOP chairman Kyle Hupfer about the upcoming midterms and about Representative Tim Brown. There's no one in the legislature that's more well liked or respected than Dr. Brown and so obviously our thoughts and prayers have been with him and his family all week and you know obviously we're monitoring his progress and all hoping for the best. 
Um, we're obviously in the midst of the midterm elections, the Senate race, uh, obviously big in the spotlight, about 50 days away now. Uh, Mike Braun led by two points in the latest Fox News poll, but when you average the recent polls, Senator Donnelly uh, leads by three or four points. Where do you think this race stands today? I think it's, it's you know, the last couple of polls have been out, both the NBC poll and the Fox poll had it within two or three either way, and that's where I think it is. I mean, I think it's a dead heat. I think there's a lot of work to do. The good thing for uh, Mike Braun is he's moving in a positive direction. His numbers continue to go up while Joe Donnelly stay the same or go down. I think Hoosiers are getting to know Mike Braun, and as they do that, they're getting to like him more and more. What about the overall dynamic this year? Is this midterm going to be about President Trump for many voters and the controversy surrounding his presidency? And if his approval here is now more like 50-50 after winning the state by 20 points two years ago, what does that tell you about the state of play here in Indiana? Well, I mean, keep in mind how wrong the polling was and how wrong all of this was in 2016. So I think there is a vast majority of Hoosiers who support what President Trump and Vice President Pence are doing in Washington. And I think that'll show on uh, Election Day in November. I think that, again, Mike Braun just needs to continue to work hard, which he is, get better and better known by Hoosiers. He's still got a long time to do that. And I think his numbers will just continue to go up and up as that, as that happens. Is there some risk in uh, associating so closely with President Trump when we don't know where some of these controversies might end up a couple months from now? I, I don't think so. I think that, you know, that is just who Mike Braun is. I mean, he supports the president's agenda like the president. He's an entrepreneur and an outsider who wants to go to Washington and take Indiana common sense out there to try to make things better. And so I think he's made, you know, not a decision there. It is just the reality for Mike Braun, and that's who he is, is that he wants to support change um, and wants to support continuing to move things forward in Washington for the American people. We're going to see them on the debate stage a couple times in October, but as far as some other races go, Indiana Democrats put out a release this week essentially saying a number of GOP incumbents in Congress and at the statehouse level were afraid to take them on in debates. So they pointed to State Senator Toms or others have pointed at, at Representative Hollingsworth or people in Congress. Democrats calling this debate dodge fever. Is there such an outbreak? I don't think so. I, I think each individual candidate has to look at their own race and make their own decisions. They're all out spending a tremendous amount of time talking to voters. And so any voter who wants to has a, an ability to come up and talk to them and ask their questions. And if I'm a candidate, I want to make sure that if I am going to do a forum, that it's going to be fair, uh, equal and level playing field. And that's, I think, what they're doing their due diligence on right now. Why not go head to head and have that opportunity for voters to see both candidates? Well, I think so long as it's an equal playing field, you know, that's always a positive thing. But, you know, in each of these individual races, candidates have to make their own decision. 50 days away as of this weekend and uh, still a lot of ground to cover before we get to the midterms. Absolutely. Appreciate it. Kyle Good to see you. So yeah, thank you. Thank you. All right, let's turn now to John Zodi, state party chair for the Indiana Democrats. John, thanks so much for being with us today. Thanks, Dan. I appreciate having me on. And let me say that uh, all of us Indiana Democrats are thinking about uh, Doc Brown, our, uh, our chair of the House Ways and Means Committee over, over in the State House, And certainly our, our thoughts are with him and his family as he, as he works to recover from this accident he, he sustained uh, in the last couple of days. Absolutely. Everyone thinking about uh, Chairman Brown this weekend as well. Uh, obviously, so much to talk about. And we're now about 50 days away from the midterm elections. This, this U.S. Senate race, obviously front and center. What's your reaction to this Fox News poll out this week that has 
Senator Donnelly down by two points. Well, it comes after an NBC poll that shows Senator Donnelly up. So I'm not surprised that Fox News would, uh, would come out with a poll that contradicts NBC's poll. So look, every poll uh, that comes out shows that this is a competitive race. Uh, we are running the largest field operation uh, in Indiana in, in, in a decade. Uh, we feel good about where Joe Donnelly is. He is out working every single day, either in the Senate or across the 92 counties here in Indiana. We feel good about where he is. He's executing a great uh, plan for his campaign, and it's a campaign to win. Well, Republicans say this latest poll shows they may have the momentum right now. Is that the case? Well, we believe we have the momentum. Like I said, this is the biggest field effort we've run in a decade. We've got more first time, more young candidates, more female candidates running than we ever have had on the ticket who are joining Senator Donnelly in the fight for a better Indiana and better politics across the, uh, the country and the state of Indiana. So we feel good about it. Uh, momentum, I believe, is on the side of the Democrats. This year, it's a midterm year where the opposing party of the White House usually does well. So we look for that. But the momentum is also in our numbers. The doors were knocking and the phone calls were making, the candidates that are running. So we feel good about the momentum. Well, let's talk about that overall, overall landscape for the midterms. Is this election going to be about Donald Trump? And if that's the case nationally, is that also the case here? And then where does that put someone like Senator Donnelly, who at times has opposed him on certain issues, but has also um, walked closer to the president on, on some issues as well? Well, I think you said it right there, Dan. Joe Donnelly has said from day one, when the president, whoever that president is, uh, when, when, they're, when they do things that are right for the people of Indiana, he'll be with them. When they do things that are wrong for the people of Indiana, he'll oppose it. That's the same case with, with Donald Trump. Uh, the president did well here in 2016. But this election, of course, every election has a national tone in some respect. Uh, that's just the way it is. But we feel good in Indiana about the program we're running. We're staying focused as Indiana Democrats. Our candidates are out talking about wages and education and health care especially, uh, getting rid of gerrymandering, making sure people feel safe and secure uh, and protected equally under Indiana law. Those are things people are out talking about across the state of Indiana. We feel good about that message and we feel good about Joe Donnelly's chances in November. Democrats also put out a statement this week on some of the congressional and state house races and you're calling on a number of Republicans to uh, show up and debate their opponents. Uh, but one political operative who was asked about that this week said, you know, in this climate, I, I wouldn't advise my clients to do a debate either. Is that uh, a sign of the times in politics these days? Well, I tell that operative that, that, that uh, they should dispense some other advice. Look, we are in a, a critical moment in American politics, in Indiana politics. People want to know who their candidates are, and those candidates should want to represent uh, those voters, and they should get to know those voters. And the fact that every Republican candidate thus far that we've heard from refuses to debate their opponent, whether it's at the congressional level or at the state level, is, is, is disgusting. Uh, they are hiding. This is what we've called debate dodge fever uh, here, whether they're refusing to debate, they're refusing to talk to their opponent, and by extension, Dan, they're refusing to talk to the people that they want to represent. Well, we thank you for taking the time to talk with us today, Chairman John Zodi. We appreciate it. Thanks so much for being with us. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Up next, we'll talk more with our panel about the race for Senate and dive into the numbers from that Fox News poll. Plus, we'll hear what the candidates were up to this week. We'll also hear from Senator Todd Young. And back to the Carolinas for more on Florence. You'll see how Hoosiers are helping on the front lines this weekend coming up. 
Welcome back. More coverage of Hurricane Florence coming up. But also today we're looking at this new Fox News poll on the race for Senate and taking a deeper dive on the numbers here. Mike Braun with a two-point lead over Senator Donnelly when you look at likely voters. But in the poll of all registered voters, Senator Donnelly with a one-point advantage. But boy, it's tight in this race. They're also breaking down what voters think about Brett Kavanaugh and if Senator Donnelly were to vote against Brett Kavanaugh. That would make 29% of Hoosiers less likely to support Senator Donnelly. 21% would be more likely to support him, while 39% of voters say it'd make no difference at all. More Brett Kavanaugh news out this week. We'll have that coming up. We're also taking a look here at the Real Clear Politics average of all the polls taken here in Indiana on this Senate race since the month of May. And you can see Senator Donnelly there with nearly a four-point advantage when you average out all those polls. Let's talk more about these numbers now and the race for Senate here in Indiana. On our panel today, former state lawmaker Christina Hale. Tony Samuel was vice chair of the Indiana Trump campaign in 2016. And Jamar Cobb-Denard with the 10-100 campaign. Uh, Christina, what do you make of these numbers? Are you concerned to see Senator Donnelly down two points? Well, really, when we're looking at people that are going to get out and vote, he's right up there. It's neck and neck. And in Indiana, we do a pretty good job of retaining our incumbents. It usually takes something catastrophic like a Murdoch moment to really see us firing somebody like that. We're feeling pretty confident right now. Which, of course, uh, 2012, back when Senator Donnelly was first elected. What do you think of these numbers, Tony? Republicans say it shows momentum for the Braun campaign. Do you think that's the case? I think it really does. And if mentioning that he was first elected in 2012, he's had six years to build his name. ID. Mike Braun statewide only a few months and he's already neck and neck with six weeks left. Remember, he's a strong closer. He proved that in the primary. I think he's going to catch him. But are Republicans end. coming together? Do you think the Messer camp, the Rokita camp, it was a divided primary? Yeah, I, I think they are. I know Messer's had some uh, events where he's he's been the, the guest of honor uh, at uh, some Braun fundraisers. Rokita showed up at both Trump rallies. So Republicans are together on this. How do you look at these numbers, Jamar? So these numbers both fall within the margin of error for this poll, which tells me that they can still flip-flop either way. Sure. Now, one thing I know about uh, Hoosier voters, and especially Hoosier Democrats, is that they make common sense decisions. They're going to put Joe Donnelly back in office. In addition to that, the DNC is flexing some muscle. Uh, Senator Doug Jones will be here at the Indiana, Indiana Democrat African American Caucus uh, event in Evansville on October 6th. And that just shows you that the entire party is behind making sure that Joe Donnelly gets back to D.C. And to Tony's point about being a closer, Senator Donnelly has been an epic closer in this state, you know, right down to the wire. So. It'll be interesting. And, of course, it could come down to Indiana. Talking about the balance of power in the Senate, there's a lot of interesting polls out there in recent days that show, yeah, our state could be in the spotlight. Yeah, there are, but also to the point about Doug Jones coming in, you know, Donnelly's gotten all kinds of help from Chuck Schumer, from Nancy Pelosi, from other national Democrats that don't... Uh, a farewell in Indiana. So I think that's going to backfire on them. All right, let's talk about what the candidates were doing here in recent days across the state. They were out and about. First, here's Senator Donnelly and Mike Braun this past weekend talking about the issue of gun violence at a forum with the African-American Coalition of Indianapolis. And I believe in the Second Amendment. But at the same time, you should not be able to go to a county fairgrounds and just be able to lay cash on a table and buy a gun. When it comes to trying to, again, prescribe something nationally, um, I'm just not a believer that that's worked very well, and it tries to homogenize everything into one solution. And I don't think that works well. You know, some of the cities that have the worst gun violence have some of the sternest laws. 
Now, meantime, this past week, Senator Donnelly was talking about guns in schools, and this was interesting. He was joined at that event by the Republican State School Superintendent, Dr. Jennifer McCormick. Not an endorsement or anything here, but a noteworthy joint appearance on an important topic that happened to come in the midst of the campaign. This past week, Senator Donnelly also appeared with the Fraternal Order of Police. They did endorse Senator Donnelly at an event on Monday, the National Federation of Independent Business recently endorsing Braun. But guys, what do you make of the candidates this past week, who they're appearing with, and what, if anything, this means uh, for the race for Senate? Well, this really plays into Joe Donnelly's wheelhouse. Um, everybody's been happy with him some of the time. I think even Tony went in with his Gorsuch vote. You know, at some points, um, he's pleased everybody. These appearances are interesting, particularly as they pivot on the point of public safety. You know, school safety is not a Republican or Democrat or independent issue. Everybody cares. Everyone who's been a child and who's going to have children or has somebody in school. So I'd like to see this reaching across the aisle. And the FOP truly has not always um, endorsed Democrats either. They've been fairly bipartisan over the years. So this is really a positive thing. Do you guys find it interesting that Dr. McCormick was uh, there with Senator Donnelly this week? I know she has at times butted heads with Republican leadership on certain issues. But as you pointed out, not a campaign event at all, but nonetheless interesting timing. It, interesting. She made it clear this wasn't in right. any way an endorsement. I used to work for Sue Ellen Reed, who would do the same kind of thing because kids matter first and, and foremost to them, and that's they're doing their job as superintendent of public instruction. Uh, so I don't think there's anything that, that hurts uh, Mike Brown there. Yeah, as an official part of their jobs, this is what they should do to protect uh, Hoosier students and families. Uh, but this does play well to the narrative of Senator Donnelly uh, picking up some moderate Republican votes uh, when they see him with someone like uh, Dr. McCormick talking about an issue that's divided us. You're talking about pleasing everybody. Is it really possible to please everybody in politics, especially this day and age, right? No, absolutely not. No, I mean, it's really, we've talked about it on this show so many times, the constant cycle yeah. of news and drama all the time. And, it, you know, it's, it's exciting and it's good TV. And obviously more drama this week on the Supreme Court nomination as well. That's going to be front and center in the Senate race. Perhaps another delay in that process that we're expecting the Senate to vote in the coming weeks. Donnelly's vote really being scrutinized this election year. And now there are uh, mysterious allegations of misconduct from Kavanaugh's high school years that are being scrutinized while Republicans question where this information came from. In a statement, Donnelly's office saying they're aware of those news reports. Earlier in the week before that story broke, we caught up with Indiana Senator Todd Young to talk about Kavanaugh and the controversy over that op-ed in the New York Times. He has great knowledge of the law. He intends to be an independent referee that applies uh, the law to the facts of a given case and doesn't legislate from the bench. And, and uh, I'm very confident uh, that he will become the next Supreme Court justice uh, before the October uh, session begins. Were you surprised by any of the protests we saw at the confirmation? No. Why not? He's, look, this is a, a high stakes, a very consequential decision that needs to be made, and, and uh, there are a lot of strong feelings about that. I understand. Uh, really quickly, wanted to get you on the New York Times op-ed that came out last week. Your, your thoughts on that? I'm not even focused on that. Um, I, I've seen uh, reporting about it in the media. I'm instead focused on making sure we continue to build on the success we've had over recent months 
tax cuts, regulatory reform, we see the economies responding, jobs uh, are being created, and wages are rising. And, and that's the sort of things that Hoosiers hired me to focus on. I'll continue to focus on those things. That interview from uh, earlier in the week, we asked on Friday, but Young's office did not have any uh, comment on those uh, allegations being talked about now from Kavanaugh's youth. As we said, the Supreme Court situation continues to loom front and center in Washington. It certainly does. And these are very serious allegations. But as far as I know, to this point in time, we don't know the genesis or the validity of them. Certainly something to be taken very seriously. We see in our state, too, with the Curtis Hill case, we have to look at our judges, our law enforcement officers, our elected officials, and hold them to a high standard of behavior, particularly as it relates to crimes of assault and otherwise. We'll talk more about that issue in our podcast this week. Uh, quickly, your thoughts on the, this new Supreme Court drama here. Well, it's drama, and there's a lot of in intrigue and sensationalism out there, not just on this, but every day we see it in the news, but we see more and more of this coming from anonymous sources, not much detail. I don't, I don't think there's anything to it. I think He's going to be fine. What else uh, struck you in the news this past week? Uh, Young's office, by the way, also did not want to comment on the president's tweets about Puerto Rico that also caused uh, some controversy. Well, you know, the president's tweets about Puerto Rico are, are interesting, number one, uh, because the, almost the same number of people have now reportedly died in Puerto Rico that did on 9-11, uh, which was a tragic day for us all, but uh, seemingly not the same weight for our president. And I think part of that comes from, uh, you know, his support of making sure that South Carolinians stay safe, but also uh, they got him into office by 14 percent. And I think that's where his head is and not of making sure that all Americans stay safe. We've got to leave it there. We will talk more on our podcast. Up next, we're going to talk more about Hurricane Florence and the Hoosiers that are lending a helping hand. Stick around. We'll be right back. Indiana Task Force One is near Wilmington, North Carolina this weekend, close to where Hurricane Florence made landfall. They're assisting storm victims and helping where they can. Also, 10 members from Buck Creek Township Fire Department in Greenfield are helping this weekend along the coast as well. Stick around. We'll be back to wrap things up right after this. Winners and losers tomorrow. I'll start with you. My winner for the week is Dan Spieler and the oh uh, focus team for this all-minority expert panel. Thank there you. you. Go. Well, you guys are the winners. Though. First Tony. ever. <laughs> A few winners. FEMA and Indiana Task Force One for going down there and saving lives and helping doing what they can. Also, since I haven't been around for a little while, uh, over the last few months... <laughs> Space Force. President yeah. Trump for initiating the Space Force. I love it. He's making the galaxy got, great again. Got the t-shirt, right, We got you there. All right. Final word, Tony. Christina. Um, I think all of our hearts are with Chairman yeah. Tim Brown and his family today. So, no um, doubt. Thoughts and prayers. We'll leave it there, and we'll see you again next Sunday in Focus. Time to talk a little bit more out here on our podcast because so many things happening in the news this past week. We didn't get a chance to really parse through everything. Back with Christina Hale, Tony Samuel, Jamar Cobb, Denard. Uh, Tony, it has been a few weeks, as you pointed out, since, since you've been on the show. And obviously, uh, it, the topic did not come up on the show this week. But, um, but briefly, Curtis Hill, um, it's been a few weeks since all of that was in the news. Of course, mm -hmm. uh, your name was mentioned briefly in that sure. press conference with Curtis Hill because you were there that night. I know you're back, and obviously it's, it's a topic you essentially recuse yourself from to some degree on a show like this, but what can you tell us? Can you tell us anything at all? You can't say at anything, Dan. About that Sorry. Night? It's still something. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I will. I will speak a little bit about it. Um, I probably won't go into everything that I, that I know because uh, the investigation is ongoing. Right. 
Um, I think, uh, I, I get the sense that it should be concluding soon, but, but you never know. Um, I did, uh, I was with Curtis, um, as he said, on back, I think it was July 9th when he made the statement to the, to the media. Um, I actually, uh, we ran into him at, uh, at a restaurant downtown um, uh, and invited him to join us. And he did, and, and then later we ended up at the Sunny Dive Party, which is open to everyone uh, at the state house. You know, everybody that's involved in the legislature. So there's been some criticism of him for even being there. I, 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 I don't think that's fair criticism. I've seen other office holders at these parties well, over Tony, the years. Since you were gone, something we have talked about on the show was that that's a small bar jam-packed with. Yeah lobbyists, legislators, staff members, that it's really everybody of and about the state house. So it wouldn't be right. that unusual um, right. that he'd be there be with there. everyone else. Right. Yeah. And, so, and there was a group of us that, that got there. And, and uh, so that's what I'll say about my name being mentioned. And, and it was fine with me Did that it was Did you see any mentioned. of those kinds of things take place? Absolutely not. Okay. Yeah. And I, you know, I wasn't, uh, that's w what I was going to um, uh, not address um, because the investigation is over, but that's what I told the investigators, and that's the absolute truth. I didn't see any of that uh, taking place, and I was with him throughout the night. I didn't watch every move that he made, but it was a small place. It was a crowded place. I think if any of that had occurred, I would have heard about it right there and then, and, and, I, and I just know that he wasn't in, in the condition that um, folks are, uh, that it's been uh, portrayed as. Perhaps we can talk about it more after the investigation <laughs> yeah. is complete. I know, I know you, you uh, had uh, you know, wanted to kind of keep those comments uh, limited as the yeah, investigation continues. Yeah, but I knew this would, I, and, and that's okay. That's okay. I don't mind. I don't mind. Um, we'll be in the news I, again. I just knew that, you yeah. Know, when, when it is asked, I'm going to you know, give that answer because it's the truth. But it's good to have you back. And Thank it's you. a topic that um, obviously, back. you know, you mentioned the topic of um, sexual harassment. You had a column out on IBJ um, about the prevalence of that issue and how it affects so many people. You've oh, dealt it does. with it. And so many women have dealt with it. And again, this week in the news, we saw the Les Moonves story at CBS and also the executive producer of 60 Minutes. Um, this is an ongoing uh, situation in our in our culture that uh, continues to deservedly get, get a lot of scrutiny. It does deservedly get scrutiny. And, you know, the question of anonymous letters and reporting, not reporting, you know, this actually... The Kavanaugh um, situation. The Kavanaugh, or even there, yeah. with Curtis Hill, um, when mm -hmm. the impacted people were reporting, they were doing that, um, I think they felt in a private way, it wasn't they who released this information, it wasn't um, the victims that released the information to the media. So it's an interesting study, too, about how all of this gets out into the public sphere and how people begin to think about it. And um, I will say, I'm, most people you know, um, know somebody, if not themselves, mm -hmm. that this has happened to. Um, so it's a worthy topic to be discussing, but you know, um, uh, it's something we have to be careful of and to keep in mind too that this truly impacts public safety. It's definitely a topic that's been top of mind in the news uh, this year, no doubt, and into last year as well. Certainly, you know, with the, the Kavanaugh piece, I'm glad that something is out that's pushing us to understand who he really is. Um, apparently, there's been some issue with the amount of records that have been released about his past. Um, maybe they'll release more records in hopes that some of this other negative stuff goes away. Who knows? But uh, the reality is we still need to know more about this person 
who's going to make decisions for our country for the next generation. Well, Todd Young, Joe Donnelly, we asked them both on Friday. Uh, Todd Young's office did, did not want to comment on it yet. There's not a ton of information out there about this yet. Senator Joe Donnelly's office said, we're aware of the news reports, we're watching it, we'll evaluate this as we evaluate everything. Kind of a, a statement that didn't say a whole lot about it, uh, because obviously, Senator Donnelly and other vulnerable Democrats, their votes on Kavanaugh are being looked at very closely. And now you have this dynamic in the news. We'll see how this affects everything when it comes to the Supreme Court nomination. I know you're skeptical that it will make much of a difference, Tony. Yeah, and, and, and I, I, we did have three days of hearings, I think it was, um, long, long days. Uh, he answered questions um, very forthrightly and, and um, you know, the, the senators on both sides of the aisle were given the opportunity uh, to, to ask questions uh, and the opportunity to meet with him privately if they wanted to, to Joe Donnelly's credit, he did. Um, so there's been a lot, of, um, uh, a lot of discussion about his past, how he thinks, how he, how he comes to decisions. Um, I think we're ready for a vote and he's going to get, get, get the votes. We'll see if this delays the process here um, with the vote perhaps still scheduled here in the coming weeks. Uh, no doubt that'll be front and center. Front and center in the news this week, Florence, obviously, and also uh, the president's tweets on Puerto Rico, which happened to be referencing the, one of the previous hurricanes we've dealt with here in the United States. Uh, Jamar, you made a point about that on the show, and we had to uh, get to our next segment. And Tony, I know you wanted to respond to that yeah, as well. Thank you. Yeah. How? how um, Should I make my initial point again? Just make sure <laughs> Briefly, you if you want to recap. <laughs> yeah, go, go for it. Everybody watch. Go for no, it. Go. <laughs> no, I just want to say, listen, the president cares about every human life, and he cares about anyone that was injured or, or killed, as we all do, and, and any, whether it's one or six or but does 3, that get lost in a tweet like that? It very much gets lost because he was, I was watching or uh, I, I saw uh, the extended version of his comments and he was talking about the preparation for uh, Hurricane uh, Florence. And um, then of course the question came up and he had heard it before, he had heard the criticisms before. So he was pointing out that back at that point after uh, the initial two hurricanes, I think it was Irma and then Maria that hit Puerto Rico, the death toll wasn't high. It, it, it subsequently, it, it has risen maybe from people that, um, that had effects from uh, later that were hospitalized or that were missing at the time. So I'm not sure what the exact... Yeah, I guess the question uh, is, is there any way to make that point in a tweet and, and not Well, well he answered the question and then the criticism came and then he tweeted about it because he does think that he's being treated unfairly um, on the attacks when the rest of the nation, and we're watching it, is coming together because of this national disaster, like we did with Harvey and the other hurricanes last year, like we did with uh, the, the fires in, in the western part of the country. And the president is leading, and, the, and FEMA is doing a great job, and just uh, the, the cooperation from the, from the federal government down to the state and the local levels, everybody is giving them accolades. But for uh, some in the media and those on the left that still want to find something, at sure. this time of crisis, we should be all coming together like most of the country is. But there are still folks that want to find something that are you sure it was the media and, yeah. and the left? Because it was Donald Trump that said, President Donald Trump, that said that uh, it's the Democrats who are inflating the numbers, so it, it makes him look bad. He politicized this issue, um, and no matter how many people died, uh, that's uh, that's what 
the main issue is. Well, I, I, it, you know, you can, you can look at it that way, and I can look at it uh, the other way that that it was politicized, and he was responding, and that is really often the case of what goes on. Well, and probably it, it, well, it probably was not the best time to respond. I, he should be dialed onto the channel of public safety and response for the hurricane that's been pressing down well, on our and, country. And, and, yeah. So let's ahead, let's set the politics aside for now and just worry about the people who are in harm's and, way. And that's exactly what he was doing in this. I mean, this was um, uh, press availability where he was announcing, you know, how they're preparing. Uh, and, and, you know, just a, a couple of 3,800 federal employees, including more than 1,000 from FEMA, are, are there in the area. Well, I guess Another 560 from HHS. What may have struck some people, too, yeah. were his comments saying that he, he thought the response to Puerto Rico was a success. And then in the context of Florence coming well, this week, his, I think that struck people yeah, his in point a way there was about the, the current story. The, well. the real, the real um, uh, uh, story in, of, of the deaths and the disruption in, is, is a little different than what's being reported because the infrastructure in Puerto Rico is not the same as the infrastructure in Florida or the Carolinas. The, and a lot of people the, made the point it's an island. Yeah, an island and, and more difficult to get, to get there. But, but what FEMA did is, is an incredible amount of work. Um, but it was after, you know, it was tough because of, of uh, the two hurricanes and getting there and the power grid. Is, is the, the energy infrastructure was, was decimated, and people are still suffering. It's really difficult to live through the summer yeah. in Puerto Rico. There you then mm -hmm. have the elderly and others dying just like they do in heat waves in Chicago. But it's also um, very a point to take to heart that even Speaker Ryan is standing up to say, hey, wait a moment, let's pause and remember you know, our, our brethren and um, our sisters in Puerto Rico and what truly did happen in standing up for those numbers. And obviously a lot of people turning their attention to Florence this weekend and the cleanup effort in the Carolinas. Uh, we mentioned it at the top of our broadcast today. Not only did you have the hurricane obviously making a lot of news, but also Friday the Paul Manafort news. Uh, the guilty plea, Jamar, what will be the impact here potentially on the Russia investigation? So the birds are singing and over the course of the past few months on the show we've seen uh, a defendant after defendant take a plea and start talking. And two questions I have, number one is why talk? Uh, and why talk now? Uh, especially when he was uh, looking down the barrel of a potential pardon, is his trust in President Trump wavering and his ability to actually get some type of reprieve from the person that he was uh, uh, leaning on? Um, the other piece here that's a mystery to me is who's pulling the strings? Um, a couple of quotes that, that were bothersome to me. Number one, he was fear, Manafort was fearful for the safety of his family um, and, uh, and then you know, deflected things that it wasn't about the president and his reasoning for taking the plea wasn't because of the campaign. Um, that tells me that something else is going on that the American public isn't seeing. Hmm. I, I don't know about that, but I can tell you Manafort and Rick Gates, who was his partner and worked work for him, did some bad stuff back in 2011 or, or prior to that, had nothing to do with the campaign, absolutely nothing. The, this plea agreement and uh, uh, the indictments and uh, any, anything that's in between uh, has nothing to do with the campaign. If, if you remember, both Manafort and Gates were brought on in mid-April. In mid-April of 2016, I remember it well because the focus was on Indiana. Uh, uh, 
Cruz had beaten Trump in Wisconsin on April 5th. That's right. Two weeks yeah. later, the next primary after that was New York on the 19th. The East Coast A week later, five, five yeah. um, on April 26th, and then one on May 3rd, and that was Indiana. In that period, the media and everyone was saying Trump can't get to 1237. Manafort was brought in because of his uh, knowledge and expertise on how to, to get delegates, delegates in a yeah. convention. And then, and then after the convention, this kind of this stuff with the, uh, his past heated up, and he was let go in early August. I remember because that's when I joined the, the campaign in a paid position. Rex and I had already been chair and vice chair, but now in a paid position as the Indiana Communications Director. I was on a phone call in the morning. We had the, the morning communications calls with the national campaign. And on one day, it was Steve Bannon and, and Paul Manafort were both on the call. And there had been some news about Manafort. It looked like he was on his way out. He said, I'll be on these calls every day. The next day, it was just Bannon. Manafort was gone. But let's not forget, Manafort and Gates, some of their clients were Russian Russian oligarchs. Ukrainian. Ukrainian, uh, And there was deep, serious money. You're not going out to buy a $15,000 ostrich coat from Bijan because um, you don't have good clients in the pipeline. I put one of those on my Christmas list this year. (laughs) We'll see. No, I'm still still waiting. Again, nothing to do with that. But the connections, the relationship, the the entree. I mean, we have seen. You're saying that maybe we don't know yet. All I mean, there's that, a lot that's that we don't know. I think we will learn in short order, and it is significant that Manafort has decided to work with Mueller. That is extremely significant, and things will unfold, and we'll begin to chessboard this out in in the coming weeks. But something's there. That could all be circumstantial, but um, well, I think it could be intentional that um, those connections were. Uh, tertiary or prior to his involvement in the campaign so that they could try to deflect, but the gig is up. We'll see how it all shakes out. Uh, we got to wrap this up. Some final thoughts on the week in politics, other stories that struck you, national, local. Uh, what an interesting week and uh, certainly a very busy week in the news as well. Yeah, Jefferson Shreve uh, on the Indianapolis City Council uh, saying that he may or may not stay around for uh, a term after the rest of Jeff Miller's term. It's good that they have somebody experienced in that seat that will bring some stability to the Republican caucus. Um, But now that district is still for grabs and Kristen Jones is running. And Kristen Jones is the hardest working Democrat I think I've ever known. But I will say uh, Chairman Jim Merritt has been doing quite the hustle two-step just to try to recruit in that. I think because we will be so competitive as Democrats um, for that seat. But... um, Nobody was standing up. For and of course, it. the big yeah. news at the state house. Everyone's thoughts and prayers with State Representative Tim Brown, absolutely this influential uh, member of the legislature. Influential, wonderful person. person. Yeah. Uh, wonderful person, loved by everybody in the state house. Um, I got to where I, w- I worked on House Republican staff as communications director, and he was always great to me and is a good, great friend. But to so many, good and doctor, so good man. Well. Yeah. Uh, everyone on the, both uh, every angle of the aisle has just expressed true heartfelt concern. Um, We'll leave it there. Uh, Praying and hoping for the best uh, for him and his family. That wraps it up for us. Thanks everybody for being here. Jamar Cobb-Denard, Tony Samuel, and Christina Hale. Mike Murphy was going to be here, full disclosure. Car broke down on the side of the road. Did it. On his way here. Did it really? That's what he says. He better, he, he better not blame a pothole. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Could it be a pothole? Yeah. We'll have a whole other story for next thing. week. That's yeah. right. All right. We'll see you next week, everybody. Thanks for listening.